guys. Welcome back. And we are on episode three. And today I'm excited because we are going to go back a little bit to our first episode when we talked about failure a little bit. I mentioned it quickly and I wanted to touch back on that. And I have a special guest today, Mrs. Aisha Robertson, MBA PMP, and she will give you a quick introduction. Hi, thanks so much for having me today, Sky. Um, it's actually a pleasure to be here with you guys. As, as you said, you know, I have an MBA and also project management certification and, you know, failing and, you know, just looking at all these business challenges as a mother, as a professional is something that I'm very passionate about. So thanks again for having me. Awesome. So I wanted to just give you guys a quick recap. If you uh, listen to episode one, I was talking about doing it scared and I say you can't be afraid to fail, but that failure uh, was not something that you would be exempt from in trying, uh, whether it was starting a business, whether it was just uh, trying to achieve any goal that you had. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about it because I wanted to see how we could educate people on what to do when you do fail. So Aisha is here. She's going to talk to us about failing quick. Uh, it's so funny because after I posted that episode, uh, she talked about, oh, I loved how you talked about failure, but something that she learned in the business world was fail quick. So she's going to give us a little bit more information on that and, and we'll have an open dialogue and hopefully you guys learn something from today. Yeah, so, you know, so we have this philosophy in the IT world is, you know, what it is, is, you know, about failing fast because, Failure is the, you know, is, is where you start from an invention, because do you think that anything that's been created was created the first time and that everything went well? Um, things don't go well always, but you have to understand when to cut your losses. And the big thing with failing fast is, and that quick failure is, there's something in the business world called the sunk costs. And that's basically everything that you've already invested up to this point. And then you have all of your future costs and your future expenditures. And this, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about time, you know, and, and different things. And so when you think about you can't dwell on, oh, I spent this much money on this. I spent this much time on this. You know, I got to make it work because when you force things to work and it's just not going to work, you're now investing additional money and additional time into something that at the end, you're probably going to have to cut your losses anyway. And so that's, you know, one of the most things that that's the thing that's most important about thinking about that quick failure is thinking about, OK, this is as, as much as I'm willing to invest and also making sure that you understand failure doesn't mean that you that that you can accomplish a goal. It just means that not right now or not that goal or not that way, because the other piece of the pie is what did you learn from it based on what you invested in it? What did you learn from it? That's going to help you do better the next time. I think that's a great point. And I'm thinking about just even myself, right? Like I'm trying to do so many different things. Um, I know I talked about before, like wanting to write a book and um, starting a podcast and then just also just having like a presence um, in the social media world. And it's kind of like I spent a year planning, um, trying to get this together. And it was almost like I was so afraid of failure that I didn't even understand that there were these systems that you could put in place 
so that you could kind of make quick pivots so that it wouldn't be a complete loss. Because what it sounds like you're saying to me is that it doesn't have to be a complete loss. It just means that you need to kind of evaluate and put systems in place so that you could kind of do some checks and balances along the way, which I I felt like I was doing, but I don't think I really had like the proper education on doing it. So it was a lot of like learning as I went. Um, I think that's why it took me a lot longer and I probably spent way more money than I needed to because I didn't have these systems. Um, so I don't know, I, I guess like what would be your your advice for somebody who's starting off on any type of venture that they want to to begin? Like what is like the number one first thing first you should do to set up a system so that you can have this in place so that you can evaluate and cut whatever losses you need to cause or make whatever pivots you need to make so that you can make the proper adjustments. I'm so glad you asked that because that's important because so one of the things you talked about that I thought was important is, you know, what sometimes we call analysis paralysis. You can't just keep the what ifs, the what ifs and what about this and what about this? You got to get started. Right. Mm -hmm. But before you get started, what I recommend is, you know, looking at what are you trying to accomplish and how can you break it up into chunks? You break it up into chunks. And in the project management world, we talk about milestones. So what are your big milestones? You know, and lots of people like to think of things in threes. So you come up with three big milestones. And with under each of those milestones, you need to have a measurement of success. Okay. So all of the different things that you need to do to accomplish that first goal and how will you determine whether or not it was successful? You know, it could be, uh, you know, a statistical number. It could be a revenue number. It could be a number of followings. You know, even if it's something, you know, in your household. So, like, for example, if you wanted to redo your kitchen, you don't have to redo your countertops, your cabinets, your sinks, your faucets, your appliances, all at one time. You know, you right. can put in pieces and parts. And, and that's the easiest way to look at it is what are these little things that I can accomplish that are going to add up to this big milestone? Right. And then also the other piece that's important is what we call in the project management world is your, your predecessors. So what is it that you need to get done before you can do the next thing or can you do them all at one time? Mm -hmm. And what is the critical path? That thing that's the longest thing to do, that is sequential, that you can't do before anything else. Okay. So you think about it in, in that way. And those are the things that are going to help you measure your success. I'm glad you brought up the predecessors because it's, it's so funny. Today I was on um, Instagram and if anybody knows I've been going through like the trademark process and if you know anything about trademarks it is a long process the uh, USPTO office is jam-packed because they take uh, trademark requests from not only United States business owners but also business owners from other countries who want to trademark in the states and it's just a long ruling process um, and just to give a little background you can do it on your own um, it's not that expensive if you do it on your own, but if you run into a roadblock, then it becomes super expensive because you didn't start off with an attorney or um, somebody who could kind of just make sure that paperwork goes through correctly. And right now, um, if anybody knows Kim Kardashian is changing the name of her brand and there's someone who also has that name, 
but not in the same trademark class. And it's so funny, um, the attorney that I work with, uh, Rosina Price, she always posts about securing the brand and talking about making sure that you have all your business things in order. So that's how I started. Before I put anything out, I made sure that I was already in the process and almost halfway through before I even launched the podcast. Like I started my business, guys, a year ago. Literally June 2020 is when I decided, you know what? I want to start building a legacy for my daughter. I want to make sure that I have something else besides just my nine to five. But in doing that, I was like, I got to make sure I roll it out right. And that's why it took so long, partially because people take names every day. If they see something booming on the internet and they have the, the capital and the, and the money to do it, they will, they will put it out there. And then you get stuck in a situation like now with this young lady who doesn't have the same funding as Kim Kardashian naturally um, to kind of fight the trademark process. And when it was all ironed out on um, in Instagram today, she actually filed like five days before her, Kim Kardashian. So technically, she doesn't have to do anything because her file went in first with the intent to use. So she has to now prove that she had been using that for way longer. So it's just one of those things. So I'm glad that Aisha mentioned like what's your predecessors because I feel like in business, if you are trying to build a brand and if you want it to be like something that's national, then like the trademark process and copywriting or whatever the case may be, depending on what product you have, is the way to go. Um, what kind of, Aisha, can you tell us like what kind of things you've seen um, in your processing of deciding to take losses? Like where where have you seen like people make the big, biggest mistakes? I know you work with like different clients. So where do you feel like people or could have made the biggest mistakes if they didn't have someone like yourself or a company backing them or helping them with their product and their um, marketing? I think, you know, we touched on it a little bit before. Um, a lot of times where people make their biggest mistakes is just really not cutting their losses. Mm -hmm. um, I, I started my career working in government and that's one of the places where you see these projects that are everlasting that go on for years and years and years and years cost overruns, you know, various different things going on with them. And instead of saying, okay, we're no longer going to do this project or we're no longer going to move forward with this program, they just keep throwing money in it, keep throwing money in it. You know, like some people will say that about, you know, um, some of our healthcare programs and, you know, various social programs that we have, they keep trying to reform them instead of just saying, okay, we're going to strap it and build a new program from scratch that really meets the modern day needs. Because like, if you look at some of the programs that were established in the sixties and in the seventies, we just keep throwing money in them, but, and trying to reform them instead of just saying, let's build something new that works for where we are today. And I think that that's kind of, you know, one of those things where if you look at some of the companies out there today and you can, you can think of any of them in any different brand where, you know, Sometimes we're sad, it's like, oh, my favorite, whatever, fill in the blank. They don't make it anymore. They don't have it anymore because the company has analyzed it and said, we're not making money there. Or this is not what the market is telling us that they want. You just wanted the two people that still buy it. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. No, that is so true. Um, I can think of like a hundred things that I'm like, man, they don't make that anymore. Or even, hell, a TV show. Like I'm, I'm a sorry to pivot y'all, but manifest 
when they canceled Manifest, that broke my heart. Because you can't just leave us hanging like that. But I guess they felt like they didn't have the numbers or it wasn't beneficial for them to keep going. So I guess that was, you know, a network doing doing the work that you're talking about and sitting down and and making those those tough decisions. And it's kind of like for the everyday business owner, getting those systems in place and, and deciding like what's your, your top mark of like money spent before you see a return is probably the way to go. Just just me listening to you, I'm feeling like, okay, Skylar, now you need to sit down and write up a plan and decide, okay, if in the next six months, if I keep pouring out, because like right now I have, um, I posted earlier about having like a virtual office space. That's costing me money, but I'm not really getting any revenue right now. So that's just like a, an expense that I don't have anything to cover. I have you know, the the subscriptions to certain things and different apps that I use. And it's kind of like, okay, is this app actually even changing how my my content comes across on the internet? So all of these things, like just this conversation is helping me so much. And I hope it's helping other people because I'm like, man, I need to sit down, like really write some stuff down and figure out, okay, what can I cut out? What's actually beneficial? Where do I set my mark? Like, what do you feel like for a business owner that's self-funded? Like, what do you think is a is a good number to decide, like, all right, this is it? So I, I want to unpack what you said just now. And, and I can give you, I'll bring it full circle around to answer that question. The one thing that I've learned in my career and worked in some great companies for some great leaders, and it began with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. what is it, what is your ultimate goal? And anything that you're investing in that is not helping to achieve that goal are the things that you can cut out. Okay. And your customer, whoever that is, is the most important thing. Like I know we've all worked for places where we're like, oh, so people come to you and say, hey, what do you think about this company? And you're like, no, I would never work there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like they don't care about their employees, this, that and the third. But then you can be like, but they but the service they provide to their customers because they haven't created that experience for their employees. They created the experience for their customer. Now, we should never do that in business either, because there needs to be some balance. Mm-hmm. But that's why some of those things end up being the way that they are. But the, the most important thing that you just said and that's the thing that I would always take to my customers is if you don't have a written plan, then you're at a deficit to start. Because if you don't plan, then you're going to fail. Okay. Planning is so key. You, if, if you write it down, one, it gives you a roadmap of what you need to do. And then it also helps you to determine what you were trying to accomplish when you get off track, you know, how you read your diary sometimes and be like, Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's what your business plan should be. You're not always going to follow it line by line and word by word, but it, it's that, it's that, that living document right. that can help keep you on track. And that's where you should put your measurements and that's where you should put your milestones. And, you know, depending upon the kind of business or venture that you're trying to start, and even, you know, taking it back to, you know, we both just moms, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you're trying to accomplish something, 
I'm fortunate enough right now to have a, a son that's about to go to college. And so planning on, you know, that whole college experience from the application process to the financial aid process to, you know, him being there and payment and all of that stuff that we've all been through. Right. We've all been through it as individuals, but we haven't been through it as parents. Right. And some of our parents didn't plan for us. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to be in a better place where we can do that for our kids. And so, you know, like I started and sat down with my son and built out a spreadsheet. You know, let's build out this spreadsheet of, you know, what we need to do. And that plan, it doesn't have to be some, you know, grand manifesto. It could be a spreadsheet. It could be a PowerPoint presentation. It could be a document where you're just documenting these things that you need to accomplish and how you want to get there. Now, how much you should invest, that's up to you, but there should be a time horizon on when you expect to see revenue coming in. Right. On how long is it a year? Is it a year and a half? Or is it five years that you're expected to see a return on your investment? Okay. And a return on your investment means that the money that you put in, you're expecting to get just as much money out. So you've got to at least break even, right? Right. But at some point you've broken even, what is your break even point? And after that break even point, it should be profit after that. Okay. So you have to determine what that timeline looks like for you. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for some people it might be, oh, I'm going to put my whole savings into this. And if your savings is depleted, then maybe that's when you should stop. Because right. should you then at that point go into debt? Mm -hmm. You know, so those are the things that you have to determine. And that's all an individual decision because, you know, not all of us have the privilege that other people have. So if you have the, if you have the family structure or the friend structure where you can say, okay, I'm going to put my whole savings into this. And then you get to that point and then you can go to your friends and say, Hey, everybody give me a hundred dollars to invest in my business. And they can do that because some of the wealthiest leaders we know in the world, you know, like, um, Donald Trump and Jeff Bezos, you know, they've openly said that they have people to invest X amount of dollars right, right. in their business. Not all of us have that luxury. And okay. so, <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, then, you know, then, then that, that's, that's where you have to be careful too, because mm -hmm. if you come to me and say, Hey, can you invest, can you invest $10,000 in my business? When I invest, in your business, I'm going to expect some return on my investment as an investor. So when you go out and you ask people to invest in your business, they're going to expect you to have a plan to return their money plus some more. So, this is true. This is true. So this that's is what you have to think about. <laughs> this is true. That's like, you know, that's any loan though. Like, you know, that's like, that's even good school. They want their money back. <laughs> so all these little luxuries that we've had during the pandemic, I'm sure we'll all be getting these nice little letters about resuming payment um, very, very shortly. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not looking forward to it, but such is life, right? Uh, I just think about like the everyday parent or even even this, even the single parents, whether it's a single father or a single mother who is trying to figure out like, how can I become one of those one of these people who have multiple streams of income where do i begin 
are there any programs, are there any people that you feel like are great coaches for um, startups or for people who are trying to learn these techniques that you're talking about? Are there any like books that you know of uh, for those of us who can just kind of read stuff and, and obtain the information that way? That is a great place to start just in case, you know, because a lot of times nowadays, uh, I hate to say it, but no, no information is free anymore. And a lot of these people are definitely running up the tab on, you know, these courses online. I've, I've seen people have a three day retreat and it's like six thousand dollars, you know, and it's kind of like, <laughs> did you pay six thousand dollars for the information you got? Like, is it really like are you really expecting somebody who's trying to begin to to shell out, you know, six six thousand to get three days worth of information because you made it into this like retreat and it's cute and it's a brunch and that's fine. But like I'm I'm trying to get it out the mud. So I'm trying to figure out how can I do this. I'm willing to pay for your for your time because I understand that when you have that knowledge, it came with time, right? It came with years of experience. So I get paying for that, but like six thousand, it seems extreme. But you know, get it how you live. That's fine. But I'm I'm just trying to help you know, people who are the everyday nine to five worker who is now venturing out into understanding that our generation, the millennials cannot retire off of our nine to five unless you got lucky and got some type of government job. But most of us are not going to be able to do that. We're going to have to find some additional income so that we could kind of make some different investments. And it's kind of like you need more than one. The nine to five is not going to do it. So what's some things that you could probably refer to people or suggest um, as some research tips? Yeah, so, you know, kind of one of the things that I started doing, even in my own um, career, is you need a short list, a short list of people. You don't have to know them. You can just Google them. You can, you know, search. But like if, if it's business that you're interested in, you're not getting that on Facebook. You're not going to get that on IG. You may or may not get something credible on Twitter. Business happens on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And so I would start there. And the easiest thing to do on LinkedIn, I even do it myself today, is following people who do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So if it's a CEO or if it's, you know, a marketing leader or if it's an IT person or if it's, you know, someone that owns a nail shop or whatever the business is that you want, follow them on LinkedIn. And when you look at them, you can see how much content they're pushing out because a lot of a lot of those nuggets and tips and information is going to be free there. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be finding articles that they found helpful or giving tidbits or quotes or, you know, tips that they found to, you know, to be helpful in their life and in their career. And then sometimes they'll have free webinars. I found one that was a very interesting to me. It's called the Monday Night Mentors. And it's a collective of marketing executives from Twitter, from Facebook, from LinkedIn, from, you know, Apple, Nike, you name it, they've worked there. They've wow. run the biggest brands in the world. And if that's what I want to do with my career, then those are the people I need to be listening to. So, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing is a lot of these big companies now, 
that they're, you know, they're really starting to understand that the, um, that the historically excluded class that, you know, that nail companies do think maybe that, um, that they need to invest more in diversity and inclusion in their organizations. They're offering a lot of free services to minorities. Okay. So you search, um, and again, Google is your best friend, you know, because I've seen things coming out of Microsoft. I've seen things coming out of Apple. I've seen things coming out of um, Amazon where they're investing in historically underrepresented businesses. Um, they're having these incubators. A lot of the, um, the local um, cities, uh, same thing, their economic development offices, you go in there, some of them have free spaces. A lot of times they're um, more linked to technology, but if you're you know, doing something for the community, they, they offer grants sometimes where they match those grants um, for you to be able to have startup capital into your businesses. So you have to connect with your local community, with your um, economic development offices, um, your community relation offices in your local cities and counties. Um, the historically under, underutilized businesses at the state level, um, they have that. And then the one thing that people forget about all the time is getting that DBE, stat, DBE status. And that's, you know, that's for the disadvantaged business. Historically underutilized businesses is what it's called at the federal government level. But getting that DBE status will, will take you a long way because when the state and the federal government, when they bid out contracts, the um, you might you're not going to be the primary, but the primary has to hire so many um, black-owned businesses, Hispanic-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, those minority businesses, because the federal government and the state governments have mandated that a certain amount of business need to go to these disadvantaged businesses. Okay. And so that's another opportunity, but once again, it's the paperwork that's required. And sometimes it's not really difficult. I help my husband's best friend. He owns a trucking company. I help him to, to, um, to do the paperwork for his business. And so now he's a subcontractor on a lot of large city and state contracts because they need to have those minority owned businesses. And this is something that I think um, that we don't always know about. And right. so we don't know how to go seek them out. I feel like you just dropped so many gems on me. And, and you know what's so crazy? I have LinkedIn and I think I don't put enough respect on LinkedIn. Like I when you said LinkedIn, I felt like duh. Like I wanted to kick myself because it's like, wait a minute, you haven't put your business or anything on LinkedIn at all. I definitely don't go on there looking for information. Like a think tank and like uh, no, didn't know about it. And and because I don't use it probably appropriately, and it's almost as if Every time I talk to people about LinkedIn, it's almost like they is it, foreign to them. Like they have the page because you, they know they need it, but they don't know how to actually use it. And I feel like, man, somebody need to give a course on the proper, you know, maneuvers of LinkedIn and, and how you can really use it to leverage um, your company or even yourself um, as somebody that's, you know, marketable and, 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 a, and an asset to any team that you're trying to join. 
Yeah, and LinkedIn actually, if you do the premium subscription through LinkedIn, which I think is like $29 or $39 a month, they actually on the back side have something called LinkedIn Learning, which is a lot of different courses that you can learn about almost everything, honestly. And you know, we talk all the time, so I tell you all the time, everybody knows I don't really do social media, right? Right. And so my husband says, you always say that, but you're on LinkedIn all the time. That's social media. And it is, but I don't see it that way because I see it. It's about my business, right? It's about my brand. It's about my business. It's about me giving knowledge. It's about me receiving knowledge. But um, the, the thing about LinkedIn that you just said somebody needs to give a course, that's absolutely true. I learned the power of LinkedIn through a recruiter from Google when I was working on my MBA. I went to the Black MBA conference and he had a session and when I walked out of there, I was like, wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when it comes to like, let's just even talk about looking for a job, right? Diversity and inclusion. First of all, your picture needs to be professional. Um, that doesn't mean it can't be fun, you know, depending upon who you are and what you do, but it needs to be professional. It needs to be representative of you and what you want people to think about. So, you know, those pictures where you, you like the, the picture cut off right here, because over there is somebody else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's, right, not, right, yeah. that's not what you want to put on LinkedIn. But but some of the things that I learned, and I'll just drop a few tips about LinkedIn. You know, when people are looking for diverse candidates, they want to see your face. So they want to know that you're a diverse candidate because they're looking for us, right? The second thing, the recruiter that I um the recruiter from Google that I took the LinkedIn course from, he happened to be a member of Kappa Alpha Psi. And he told me he actively goes out looking for members of Kappa Alpha Psi, as well as other members of the Greek letter organization. Okay. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me go put mine up there, <laughs> you know? And it, it, it's those things. They're, they're looking for those black colleges that we graduated from. So that they know they, they, they know to a level of certainty, you know, that there's an 85 percent chance that you are a minority because you went to South Carolina State. Right. Right. So there and, and, and there's there's different things that people are looking for on LinkedIn. So, you know, you need to be active and you need to be building your network, because when you build your network, and I build my network. Now you can go and look and see that you have a second degree of separation to somebody that's in my network that's doing exactly what you want to do. And then you say, hey, Aisha, can you introduce me to X, Y, Z? I see that they, you know, do X, Y, Z and I'd love to talk to them about it. And I'm like, sure. And that's what social media um, LinkedIn specifically is intended to do is to be able to allow us to make those connections. And that's what we need to use it for. Right, right. Yeah, you know what? I'm getting ready. You have me getting ready to, um, when we're done, I'm going to change my picture because I definitely, I don't have a cutoff picture because somebody is in it. It's just not a, a picture that I had went out and took an actual headshot. So I definitely want to make sure um, that, I get, I get that rolling. So um, what I want to say to everybody is for the most part, please, please, please 
just take your business seriously. Know that you can fail, but you can pivot. And a failure doesn't mean that it's totally a wash. It just means that you may need to change course. It means that you may need to regroup and figure out who your audience is, depending on whatever it is or who your customer is, and that you can fail, but you need to do it quickly so that you can bounce back and start again. Um, so if, if you got nothing from this, I hope you got some good gems. I hope that you got some some clarity on uh, where you need to go, some systems, or at least where to start to look for your systems. Um, I'm hoping that everybody that listens to my podcast will go out right now and, and get their um, LinkedIn in order um, because that seems to be the place where we need to be uh, instead of uh, where we normally are, <laughs> which is IG and Facebook, because that seems to be the more marketed thing. You don't really see people talking about LinkedIn, but I'm so glad, Aisha, that you mentioned that. And I think that this was so helpful and I'm super grateful for you coming on and joining us today so that we could give some tips to the listeners, to the moms out there who are businesspreneurs, entrepreneurs, mompreneurs, do your thing, sis, to the dads, anybody listening, go out here and get it because you can. So that is all I have for y'all. Aisha, thanks again. And we are out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.